You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tide or Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome to the Gary Harris Show for this Tuesday, December 26, 2023. I'm your host, Gary Harris. Got Justin Jones right there on the other side of the glass, manning the controls, taking your phone calls on the First and Main Condos hotline at 205-342-9904 is the number. Good to be with you. And uh, I say it's good to be with you, quite honestly. I, I probably would prefer to be off the day after Christmas. The way it worked out with a Monday Christmas, uh, I got one day off. That was it. I uh, We worked Friday and worked on the TV side Friday and and um, was off yesterday, but uh, back at it today um, on both TV and and radio and got the weekend off. But yeah, I worked uh, 12 straight days prior to the weekend and, and um, you know, right back at it today. But uh, it is what it is. And uh, I hope there's some people out there who want to talk sports because we're in here this morning. Nobody else is in the building, but we are here at Tide 100.9 FM. So love to have you with us. And, and Bryce, if you're out there, I don't know what happened. Uh, you got dropped somehow. Call back in, Bryce, because uh, we want to get your get your phone call on. I don't know where, where you went. You were there, and and then you were gone. Corey, we'll get to you here in a little bit, too, uh, as we're back on. This morning after a Christmas day off yesterday, uh, I did get to spend it with my mom, at least a good portion of it. Uh, we, were, we had Christmas at my sister's house there in Birmingham and then went to the hospital to see my mother and spend some time with her. And she's been, uh, unfortunately, been in the hospital for several weeks now. And um, not ideal, but uh, we all did get to go up there. My sister, my brother-in-law, my nieces, their husbands and families. So that was uh, that was nice. But uh, we're back here today ready to kind of kick it off for uh, the countdown to the national championship game, which is now just six days away. Alabama flying out this morning. In fact, they should be coming into the Mount Moore Athletic Complex any time now to uh, head over to the airport and fly to uh, Los Angeles, start getting ready for the college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl against number one Michigan next Monday afternoon. And, of course, the winner of that game would advance on to play in the national championship game, college football playoff championship game in Houston on January 8th against the winner of the Sugar Bowl game between Texas <clears throat> and Washington, which is going to be on Monday night. So um, that's the that's the big topic. But also we've got Bama basketball, uh, got a big win on Saturday at home, Saturday afternoon, blowing out Eastern Kentucky. I think they scored 110. I have to look it look it up here in a minute to be sure. But uh, and they play again on Saturday over in Birmingham in the CM Newton Classic at Legacy Arena. Deontay Wilder, uh, the end could be near. I'm not saying the end of his career in terms of he can he can always fight some more. I mean he's still a big enough draw that he can fight. But um, he. Uh, Fought Joseph Parker on Saturday over in Saudi Arabia in a fight that really was just supposed to be a warm-up fight for the Joshua fight. Um, Joshua beat Wallen, and and um, Deontay was supposed to dispatch a Joseph Parker uh, to set up then a huge fight with Anthony Joshua that would have been, I don't know how much money it would have been worth, <laughs> millions. I think Deontay got about $10 million guaranteed for the fight against Parker, but it did not go as planned as um, 
it was not uh, what we were expecting to see as Parker just absolutely um, wore Deontay Wilder out. He dominated him. Um, and Frank Warren, Wilder's manager, uh, you know, that's what happens when fighters lose. The excuses start coming out. And now it is that Deontay sat, sat in the cryo chamber for a long time, too long. And, um, you know, Wilder was heavily favored. And um, now they're saying that um, I'm reading the story as I'm going through here. It's interesting how they lo- his his camp loves to go to excuses. It reminds me of the one I think the Tyson Fury Fury fight well, he that he lost. The, the armor was yeah, too way like, too oh, much, too heavy. Come on now. Yeah, this is this is the first bad loss of Deontay's career. Um, you know he lost the two fights to Fury that were, um, you know, classics. All three of those fights were classics, and uh, but this was the first bad fight of his career and and bad loss and as i said i'm not trying to knock joseph parker but the reason this fight was put on the same card as the anthony joshua wallen fight was it was you know kind of a tune-up for both guys and then they were going to turn around and fight here in less than three months and um you know wilder got dominated i mean it was it was the only good news is that he went the distance but there was one judge that had uh, had Wilder losing every round, and I think most of the people that watched it from the outside um, had him losing every round. I don't know. Again, it was the layoff too long. He hadn't fought in a long, long time. He's 38 years old. Uh, he sat in a cryo chamber for too long, and he was not ready to go, obviously. And, and Joseph Parker is a good fighter. He is not a fighter of the caliber of Deontay Wilder. So again, you could have never you could have never seen this coming. So anyway, but we've got college football on tap this morning. And I'm going to run down the lineup for you in just a second. We've got college basketball on tap, NFL. First, though, I need to tell you this hour of the Gary Harris show being brought to you as always by Alabama Credit Union. Member owned and not for profit. It's just a better way of banking. Alabama Credit Union. Find out more at alabamacu.com. That's alabamacu.com. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money and pull extra change in your pocket all right here's the lineup for today rodney Orr normally with us on mondays but since monday was christmas he is with us this morning uh, get us ready for the national championship game with alabama and michigan also talk some recruiting with rodney and then at 10 30 it's a titans report with kayla anderson boy that game uh, for the titans just kind of summed it up again their whole pitiful season as they lost another game that they could have won probably should have won uh, at least Derrick Henry had a good game, but Tannehill uh, was at quarterback because Levis was hurt, and Tannehill kind of summed up his whole career when he took that sack there at the end of the game in a situation where you absolutely cannot take a sack. Got to get rid of the football there. But that's the way it's gone for the Titans this year. I mean, they've had one of those years. Every game they could have lost, they did lose. How they beat the Miami Dolphins, I have no idea. In Miami on a, on a Monday night, but they did. But um, we've got the Titans report coming up with 1030. Your phone calls are welcome on the first domain condominiums hotline 205-342-9904. Again, I don't know what happened to Bryce. Uh, Justin has stepped out for a minute. I saw the phone working and went around and answered it. And um, Bryce said he wanted to talk to on the Gary Harris show. And I said, well, hold on. Came out, put him on and he dropped. I hate that. But we'll go. uh, We're going to lead it off this morning with Corey here on the uh, program. Corey, you're leading us off. Good morning, buddy. 
Good morning, Gary. How are you doing this morning? Doing all right. Well, I don't think anybody could have seen what happened last night with uh, 49ers and Ravens. I mean, the Ra- the Ravens just punked the the 49ers and gave them a taste of their own medicine by just bullying them and in their own backyard. And the 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 Fort the Ravens picked off Brock Purdy four times and picked off Sam Darnold another time. I mean, five interceptions. Uh, Marlon Humphrey had one. Uh, Jadavion Clowney was a one-man wrecking crew on the defensive line. Uh, and then the running game was great. Lamar Jackson, I guess you could say, sewed up the MVP in a way, uh, stole it from Brock Purdy. I mean, I I was surprised. I, I mean, I mean, could I have seen either team winning? Yeah, but not in the way the 49ers, I mean, the, the Ravens did. Well, a couple of things. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I, I'm not saying that anybody could have foreseen the one-sidedness of the game. I certainly could have foreseen um, the Ravens winning because the Ravens. When you look at the Ravens this year, the only surprise about that team is that their record's not even better. I mean, they lost. A, they lost a couple of games that they just flat out gave away. Um, I mean, this is a team that's been. Let me go back through their schedule. They lost a, 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 a overtime game to Indianapolis, 22-29. They lost a game to Pittsburgh in which they dominated the game and somehow lost at Pittsburgh. And then they lost to a good Browns team, 33-31, another game that they could have won. Um, this is a physically imposing team, but it's... It's been the case since Harbaugh's been there and even before Harbaugh was there. Baltimore has always been a rough and tumble football team. They have always been a bully. You know, you go back to that 2000 and, and what was it, the year they won with the Billick as the head coach. I want to say 2001 or so when they beat the Giants in the Super Bowl and had maybe the greatest defense we've ever seen in a 16-game season. I think they only gave up like 10 points a game. And... um you know, that's just the way they play. And I think they had a little bit of a chip on their shoulder because, you know, Corey, you know how it works. We're in a week-to-week society now. You know, you look good for a couple of weeks and everybody, you know, wants to crown you. You lose one game and they want to kick you to the curb. So everybody just kind of anointed the 49ers as the team. Nobody can play with the 49ers. Nobody can play with, with San Francisco. And they are a good team. And they are physical. But you're right. They got, a, they got bullied. You know, the bully got bullied last night. I mean, Baltimore just went in there and just just – manhandled them and I know everybody's going to cover for Purdy and they're right I mean a couple of those interceptions were unfortunate because but you know still four interceptions is four interceptions and um <laughs> so I'm not I'm like you I'm not surprised at all the Ravens won because I tell you the Ravens can beat anybody I mean the Ravens Ravens theoretically are very close to being undefeated this season and because um, most of the games that they've won they've won handily and as I said, they've lost three games that they 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 could have won. Um, now they did win an overtime game against a, a, a good Rams team a couple of weeks ago, but they punked the the, the Jags. <clears throat> they've um, you know they just been they just been beating people. You know they beat a good Seattle team thirty seven to three. Remember they beat the Lions thirty eight to six. I mean they have beaten the socks off some people, Corey. So you know, but it's you know now they got to play they got to play Miami next week. So, um, you know, it's it's a week-to-week thing in the NFL, but Baltimore looks really good. Would you say the Chiefs 
kingdom is crumbling right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm saying they got some issues offensively, you know, and Patrick Mahomes is good. There's no doubt. But, you know, he's like every other quarterback. You're better when you got when you got great players around you, you know, and they've, they've, they're not the same team offensively that they were. And, you know, they got, um, they got being whipped on, on, you know, by the, by the Raiders and, and the Raiders, I, I don't think the Raiders threw for what, 60 something yards in the game. I mean, I mean they didn't do anything on offense, but their defense won the game and their defense dominated the Kansas city chiefs. And I'm going to tell you this, I'm not saying it's got anything to do with it. But I think a lot of people are just sick and tired of Taylor Swift. And it's not her fault. I'm not saying it's her fault. You know, Travis Kelsey's her boyfriend. She's got a right to go to the games. But I think people are sick and tired of every time he catches a ball, we got to go to Taylor Swift. And, again, I don't think she's got anything to do with it. But I think there's a lot of people out there now that are like, we're done with the Chiefs. We're tired of them. And, uh, yeah, they don't, look like a, they don't look like a really strong team right now. Well, you can tell that they – the Chiefs are frustrated. That's Mahomes' body language, the, the team's body language. I mean, they're they're frustrated because they're used to being dominant, dominant, and and pushing people around and and doing all this fancy um, uh, Houdini stuff and all that. And things are not going right. And they're just that when things are not going their way, they're kind of pouting about it and just frustrated. And it's 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 getting in their head, and that's why they, they're losing games because things are not going their way but also very very proud of Tua and the Dolphins because I don't think very many people thought that because you heard the narrative the Dolphins hadn't beat anybody with a winning record well I said last week I thought they'd beat the Cowboys Cowboys can't can't beat a good team on the road so I don't I mean I I'm yeah good for Tua and them but they should have won that game you know, you're at home against a team that struggles on the road. I mean, uh, I'm with you, but I expected the the Dolphins to win that game. I mean, you know, I mean, I, you know, they're they're a good team. I'm, I'm with you; they're a good team. But I this narrative that's out there that that you know nobody gives the Dolphins a chance. I don't I don't see that. I mean, you talk about weapons; their offense is loaded with weapons. I mean, they ought to you know they should be winning these games. So. Um, we'll see now when they go to Baltimore. I mean, that's going to be, you know, um, that'll be, that'll be a different level game this Sunday for them. May, may not have Jalen Waddle. Well, I hope he comes back. Those high ankle sprains can be, can be tricky. That's for sure. And but, then, uh, Philadelphia, uh, survived, uh, Giants. Cause th- th- that game to me should not have been as close as it was. No, it shouldn't have been. They had what, nearly 500 yards of offense, but turnovers will keep a team in the game. And particularly pick six, you know, Philadelphia was going in and Jalen threw a pick six and that put the Giants back in the game and the Giants fought and battled and Tyrod Taylor came in at quarterback. But that's the NFL, man. It's I tell you, Corey, these games go to have a way of going down the wire and you're just thankful to win. But it was a great weekend for Bama in the NFL. Jameer Gibbs had a great game for the Lions. Uh, Obviously, Amari Cooper had a record setting game for the Browns. Tua had a good game. Uh, Devontae Smith had a good game. I mean, everywhere you look, Najee Harris had a good game. I mean, it's it's everywhere. Marlon Humphrey had an interception. Marlon Humphrey had a good game. Um, I mean, it's they're 
everywhere. I mean, it is. I said on Twitter Saturday or Sunday, one of the days, I said, you know, I think it was Saturday. Uh, Bama in the NFL is just different. I mean, it's just different. The other teams have good NFL players. I know Georgia's got a lot of good running backs in the league and a lot of, you know, talent. And But, at Alabama, you know, with Alabama, man, every game you turn on, it seems like there's somebody impacting the game on the, either the offense or the defensive side. What about Christian Barmore? Saturday night, yeah, three he, sacks and, he, eight, and a half, eight and a half tackles. He was one of the main reasons why they won. And even though I wanted Denver to, to win, to, to make the playoffs more interesting, did Christian Barmore had a career game. Uh, I hope that he stays with New England. I mean, not, not say he's not, but I hope they... Well, they're going to have to pay him. If he's going to stay, they're going to have to pay him because his, his contract is up. So somebody's going to pay him because he's, he's a young interior defensive lineman that can push the pocket. He can play against the run. So, yeah, he's he's about to get paid one way or the other. I can tell you that, Corey. Um, you know, I was listening to Chris Stewart on, on and somewhere, and he said that for Alabama basketball, he said even though Alabama basketball is struggling right now, this is a team you don't want to see when, when the tournament is announced and they're on your side of your bracket. Well, I'm not even sure they're struggling that much. It's just, you know, when you play the kind of schedule they've played, I guess the kind of teams that they've played, where they've played them. I mean, there are a lot of teams that would lose, you know, to those three games. So, um, you know, but they showed what they're capable of again on Saturday. I mean, they, you know, they, they are a dangerous team. There's no doubt about it. And like I said, we, they've still got to get better on defense, and they've got to match up better when they play. Um, you know, Alabama's a good team. I don't, I don't think there's Alabama – this Alabama team has struggled as much as um, – the challenge for them, even once they get into February and March, is going to be the same thing. When you know, they're going to they're going to they're going to make a lot of teams look bad, but they play outman teams with their ability to score the ball. I mean, they can do what they did to Eastern Kentucky. They can do that to a lot of teams. The challenge is going to be whether it's December or whether it's February or March. Is when you play those top level teams that are really really big and physical can you match up that's going to be the challenge the challenge for them now to be the challenge then because listen the personnel's not changing Corey. they got the team that they've got so i i guess i look at it a little bit differently i don't look at them as struggling as much as when you play really really good teams your weaknesses are exposed and their weaknesses are their weaknesses and they better tighten those up because you know to me what's different about playing purdue or, or arizona in march and playing them now I don't know. I mean, if you if you don't get, you know, a little bit better inside defensively, you're going to have the same issues when you play them then that you have when you play them now. So if the, I think they're a really good team, but they are going to have to get better. Um, or they're going to have, you know, the, the way that they play, the personnel that they have, they're not really changing that much. So I don't know. You know, I like this team, but – Right now, when I look at them, what's going to be different? Let's just say they play Arizona in the NCAA tournament. Corey, what's going to be different then that's different now? Well, you know, Arizona example is going to get is going to get better because they're going to improve, or Purdue, or Creighton, or whatever. They're going to improve. Alabama has to do the same thing. Yeah, that, you know, that's my, my my point is when you play those kind of teams, uh, it's no, you know, it's going to be tough whether you play them now or you play them in March. But I do think Alabama's a really good team. Hey, Corey, I got to hit the break, man. Good to hear from you, buddy. Good talk to you here, Otay. All right, hold tight. we got to get to the break. We went over. Bryce, we'll come to you on the other side. we got Rodney Orr coming up at 930. We're going to talk a lot of NFL, college football, college basketball, and more here on the Gary Harris Show. We'll be back after this. Hot. 
This season of Alabama football on Tide 100.9 brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse Casino. Just a few minutes away where you can be a winner too. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by Guthrie's. America's original chicken finger restaurant is now an official partner of the Alabama Crimson Tide. For franchise information, visit Guthrie'sChicken.com. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. As Alabama prepares for the Rose Bowl game against Michigan, quarterback Jalen Milrow met with the media. <laughs> uh, number one with, with the Auburn game, you know, that is a game that we'll all remember um, wearing the A. Um, but at the, it was all about finish at that point of the, of the football game, you know. Um, we were able to score, but then our defense in return stops them and Terion gets a picks pick uh, nearly a uh, pick six so um you know it was all about finish at that point in the game and then also uh fundamentally not getting a penalty you know so that was good for us for the Auburn game then the Georgia game um coach Saban talks about six 60 minutes and then doing our job and so to have that final kneel at the end of the game just goes on to uh, holding up the four quarters that we like to do um at the at the end of or at the end of the third quarter so um there's a lot of components that allowed us to be successful in both of those games I'll have more in a moment. Founded in Haleyville in 1965, Guthrie's Golden Fried Chicken Fingers has been family-owned and operated in Alabama for over 58 years. Like their famous signature dipping sauce, Guthrie's has been imitated but never duplicated. Using the family's original Southern Fried Chicken recipe, Guthrie's is still serving the best chicken fingers in the world. Just like you like them, fresh, hot, and fast. Guthrie's, America's original chicken finger restaurant and now an official partner of the Alabama Crimson Tide. For franchise information, visit Guthrie'sChicken.com. Crimson Tide today will be off for the next week for the Christmas holiday, but will return in the new year on January 2nd. Crimson Tide today is brought to you by Guthrie's. Crimson Tide today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield. Patterson Comer is dedicated to serving our clients. At Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Expect clouds, a little patchy fog early this morning, increasing sunshine during the day. The afternoon high near 58. Tonight, partly cloudy with an overnight low near 36. And for your Wednesday, a decent supply of sunshine, the afternoon high near 58 degrees. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 47 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of The Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. All right, 925, a couple of quick notes before we get to Bryce. Uh, Alabama scored 111 on Saturday, 111 to 67 over Eastern Kentucky. On Friday, Nate Oates uh, got a commitment from five-star forward Darion Reed, 6'7 swingman out of uh, California, originally from Georgia. Really, really good player. Of course, uh, Cheryl, the uh, big center, is his high school teammate there at uh, Prolific Prep in Napa, California. And Alabama football is flying out today. In fact, they are loading the buses over at Mount Moore right now, as we speak, to head over to the airport to fly to Los Angeles. All right, Bryce is finally going to get on the on the radio this morning. I know what happened to him earlier. Good morning, Bryce. Well, I'm, I'm traveling. Uh, I'm on the way back from Dallas. I've been to Christmas holidays with my daughter and granddaughter. I'm on my way back home. Okay. Uh, Gary, hope you had a good Christmas. I did. Thank you. I didn't see your buddy Cowboy. We met down uh, in Eda. He had a place uh, over on the other side of SMU. Yeah, I heard him talking about and, uh, it on Wimp and Berry inside the locker room. He said that uh, yeah. you didn't have your have your wallet with you. 
you think I had it or not, but I, he didn't mention that I drove from McKinney, did he? To meet him. He would he wouldn't meet me halfway. He didn't mention that part. And I told him that a while ago. He called me after a while ago before uh, after I, I I got cut off from you. Yeah, I, I texted him until you called you? back in. Yeah. Yeah. He he didn't he didn't mention that that part. Anyway, the two things I wanna say, uh how do you see uh the game going next Monday? Well, I, I haven't, you know, I'll make a, a score prediction tonight on Tider Insider TV. I, I will tell you this. I'm going to pick Alabama. I think Alabama's going to win the game. Um, you know, I haven't decided on a score yet. I just think that once you get to this point with Alabama, um, you know, the the Nick Saban factor is real. I think, I think Michigan mm-hmm. has a, a really good team. This is their third year in a row to be in this position. They've yet to win a semifinal game. You know, lost to Georgia two years ago, and then, of course, got uh, uh, beat by uh, um, TCU last year. So I think they're primed and they're ready, and it might be their time. But I I just think Alabama's more talented. And I think at the end of of 60 minutes, um, if Alabama plays a clean game, that talent will make a difference. And I'll be honest with you, I think Jalen Milrow is a problem. I I think that that when you're trying to defend against him – uh, right now, with you know, with him throwing the ball well enough and, and his ability to make plays with his feet, I just think he's really hard to contain. And I, I think he's the X factor. And I think I think Alabama's a better football team right now, uh, or a more talented team. I think Michigan's really sound in every area: defense, kicking game, offense. But I think the talent is still with Alabama. And I think over sixty minutes, Alabama's talent will rise to the top. And I agree with you, hundred percent. However, I I uh, another thing, I think we can make him turn the ball over because that quarterback, he hasn't seen his team. I don't think he's played the defense like this yet. No, I need to get after yeah. him. Um, you know, he's well, he's. Will. He's uh, he's a guy that's been off. He's been hot and cold. I've seen him when he's looked great, and I've seen him when he hasn't looked great. So, but Alabama needs to. Uh, yeah, they need to get after him big time. Well, and then, and two things I'm on. Okay, Harbaugh will not sign that contract. And you know whose replacement's going to be? Brian Kelly. Yep, because I don't think he can cut the muster in the SEC. He wants to go back to the Big Ten, more that area. You know where he's from. Mm-hmm. I, and I don't think his buyouts very much needed here. So I, I think it, those two things will happen. And I'll be the first one to call in and tell you that boy, I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> but it, it's good to talk to you and. uh because my work schedule don't allow me to talk to you very much unless I'm off. And uh, it's always great to talk to you. And I hope the feeling is mutual. Oh, absolutely. That's why I, that's why I stressed to, to uh, Justin try to get you back on. Because I was happy to hear from you. That was actually right. that was actually me that answered the phone when you called in the first time. I thought it was. Yeah, because Justin had stepped out for a second. So I ran around there to the control room to answer the I phone. And, that was you. And then, then we lost. But good to hear from you, Bryce. I appreciate you, man. Hey, it's good to hear from you, Gary. And I, I appreciate you. But I think that's, those two predictions are going to happen. All right. Well, I'll make a note of them. <laughs> All right. Th- thanks, Gary. All right. Safe yeah, travels, yeah, Bryce. It's 929. We'll get to the break. We'll come back with Rodney Orr from TiderInsider.com, TiderInsider TV next right here on the Gary Harris Show. Since 2011, Billy's Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big-screen, high-definition televisions, both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. 
Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. Dale Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Para. The best station in the state breaking down Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show for this Tuesday, December 26th, the post-Christmas edition. And we're going to pick things up right now with Rodney Orr from TiderInsider.com, Tider Insider TV. Normally with us on Mondays, but obviously we were off yesterday. So Rodney, gracious enough to join us this morning. Good morning, Rodney. Hey, Gary, how are you? Doing well. Good to have you. Did you have a Merry Christmas? I did. How good. about you? Good. Yeah, it was good. Got to got to go over and see my mom. So that was that was good for sure. Uh, Alabama's as we speak is uh, making uh, their trip over to uh, the airport. They're flying out to Los Angeles. Uh, the countdown to the national championship college uh, football playoff semifinal game at the Rose Bowl against Michigan is on Rodney. They'll be arriving here in a few hours and uh, they'll start their final prep out there in Los Angeles. So we're, we're six days away. Just kind of your feeling, your vibes right now as we kind of get into game mode for this college football playoff semifinal between top ranked Michigan and number four, Alabama. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, everything I've heard, all the feedback, of course, we're, we're shut out. Let's be clear about that. You know, remind everyone, it's not like we get the watch practice and get a feel for it. Uh, but everything I've heard, the feedback has been really positive. Sounds like they've had a great attitude uh, in the workouts that they've had here. Everyone I've spoken to has said you know, they've had some spirited workouts and seem to be really focused. And it seemed like Nick Saban and the opportunities that we had to hear him speak, uh, he seemed to be pretty upbeat about the, the progress they were making in, in these practices. So, uh, But as far as the game itself, Gary, I, you know, I've, I've thought about this game a lot. Uh, you know, and, and obviously I think uh, you hear people say, you know, question Michigan and, you know, their, their lack of speed and all of these different things. But I think they're a really fundamentally sound football team. And to me, I think it's going to come down to the basics in this game. I mean, mo a lot of games do. Most games do. Some games don't. But uh, this is going to come down to the basics. I'm going to think that if, if whoever can stop the run and run the football the best uh, and not turn the ball over, I think that's probably the team I'd favor. Yeah, it makes sense. And, uh, of course, we'll make our score predictions tonight on Tider Insider TV at 630 on WVUA 23. I, I believe Alabama's still a more talented football team, Rodney, uh, top to bottom, 185. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, having said that, this Michigan team, they've been been—they've been building toward this. You know, you, it's easy to forget during the COVID year, there were a lot of Michigan fans that wanted Jim Harbaugh fired. And, uh, you know, he's bounced back. This is their third straight year. Um in a CFP semifinal, and they haven't won yet. They lost to Georgia two years ago, lost to TCU last year. So even for all the 
good things that Alabama's done this year, you could certainly make a case that that Michigan has been building toward this. They had some guys come back and that this is their time. I mean, if you're a Michigan fan, you're probably saying this is our time just based on the trajectory that they're on. You know, and two, I think you look two years ago, they were embarrassed by Georgia. And then last year, just as embarrassing to lose to TCU. And, and you wonder, you know, is that serving as a big motivating factor for them uh, as they head into this game? And, and, and I don't think that that's necessarily something that, uh, you know, determines the outcome. But I do think it's something that can really get your team focused. And uh, I, I just wonder how much those failures have, have kind of, you know, uh, motivated them throughout this uh, process of getting ready for this game. But, uh, yeah, no, I think I think when you look at Michigan, to me, they're a really uh, experienced team, a lot of veteran players. Uh, you know, the quarterback, uh, you know, I, I haven't watched them enough to be right now. I, I need to do that today more. But, um, you know, Gary, as, as I've watched McCarthy in the past, the quarterback, he is a very, very athletic guy. I mean, he can run. He's got a really strong arm. Uh, they talked about that, you know, struggled a little bit throwing the football. I think he might have had an injury. But, um, you know, he's really talented. And, you know, to have a veteran guy like him and, and, and so athletic, I think he's going to be dangerous. I know the running back Corum is a, is a little guy, but he's extremely shifty. He's hard to get a hold of. He's tough to tackle. Uh, and, and it, look, they've, they've got as much pride as any program in the country. I mean, they're the winningest program in terms of number of wins. Uh, as any program in the country, they're going to come with a lot of pride. You know Harbaugh; he's an incredible competitor. Uh, you know, might be a strange, strange bird in some ways, but he he's an extremely uh, competitive guy. So uh, I think it's going to be, to me, it's it's going to be a really close game at least until you know maybe later in the game. Yeah, speaking of that about Harbaugh, someone called in the show last week and said, if, "Did I think that?" You know, all the stuff that had gone on with the sign stealing and now the letter of allegations and Harbaugh's future, would it impact their team? And I said, no way. And right now, I want to get your thoughts. I said, the one thing I noticed about Jim Harbaugh is he insulates his football team now. I mean, maybe there's, you know, outside it looks that way, but I, I don't think those players are worried about any of that. I don't think they're thinking about that. I think they're thinking about their opportunity to win a national championship and regardless of what's going to happen down the road. And I give Harbaugh credit for that. I, I think he is able to, as you said, weird bird or not, I think he's able to keep his football team focused. I don't sense any concerns uh, from a Michigan standpoint in regards to that. Do you? Probably not. I mean, I, I wouldn't think so. I mean, like you said, this is a very experienced veteran team. I think, you know, when you have those kind of guys, they're they're focused. Uh, you know, they don't really allow those as, as Nick Saban says, external factors don't bother them quite as much because of the experience that they have. They've got a lot of leadership on their team and uh, you know, again, I think fundamentally they're sound. They're a really physical football team. I think that makes them mentally tough, which means I think they deal with these things in a, in a very mature way. Uh, so, I, you know, I'm, again, I, I know a lot of people, some people, I, I see it on TitanSutter.com, people kind of, you know, making fun of Michigan a little bit. and You know, they don't have the athletes and they don't have this. And I agree with you, Alabama is more talented. But I, I just think it's a really – you know, this is a good football team, and they're going to be very, very fundamentally sound, well-coached, and, you know, Alabama can't turn the ball over. I mean, they've got to protect the football. I think that's the difference in, uh, you know, what happened in the Georgia game. is it's Milrow protected the football. Alabama didn't turn it over. They didn't make the crucial mistakes. Uh, Georgia did make some of those, and that was the difference in the game. And I think, you know, this game 
could play out very similarly. Ronnie, from the Alabama perspective, and I never would say house money because I think the expectation going into every season at Alabama is, you know, expecting to win the national championship. But for this team this year, uh, you know, after the loss to Texas and after that game at South Florida, there were a lot of people who didn't think Alabama would be in this position. So they've kind of already, um, you know, accomplished more than a lot of people thought that they would based on the way the season started. But now that they're here, you and I both know that Nick Saban's focused on one thing, and that's winning the next two games. So there are no moral victories at all. If Alabama loses next Monday afternoon, it's going to be disappointing. Having said that, just uh, speak to what this team has accomplished to get to this point. And you look back at some of the games, it's it's pretty remarkable where this team came from, from where it started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, obviously Nick Saban, I mean, I, that's where it all starts. And, you know, for him to be able to take this team, hold them together, you know, in that time, uh, you know, you knew they had a lot of talent. I mean, they played Texas. Texas is a veteran team. And they, you know, go in the fourth quarter, they're up on Texas. And I was really concerned. We've talked about it many times here on your segment on Tider Insider TV, you and I just talking, that, that how concerned we were about that game because of where it fell on the schedule that Texas was a really mature football team. Alabama was not. They were going to be kind of a work in progress if they could somehow get to November and, you know, uh, be in a position to to still be uh, in the playoff contention that maybe this team could turn into something. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I just think it was, a, it was a very difficult task after losing that game to Texas. Uh, the feeling, I still remember the feeling that night outside the stadium. And then the next week, you know, the way they played, uh, there was a lot of uncertainty about the quarterback situation. He had a developing offensive line. He had a lot of questions. But I thought there were some things we saw in the second half of that USF game that, that were really uh, very encouraging. First of all, the defense played really well throughout. But, you know, just the way Alabama started running the ball, uh, they had a tough mindset, they're developing that mental toughness. And I think that started to carry over. And then, of course, we saw the Ole Miss game and how they won that game. And I just think that this team continued to build. You know, they stuck together. I think Jalen Milrose showed incredible amount of leadership uh, in this in this whole season. I mean, you know, he had a lot of ups and downs. But he also showed uh, – Saban talks about resiliency. And I think Milrose kind of exemplified that. And I think that was a really big thing for that team, you know, to have a quarterback that did that. And, you know, we could go through the whole schedule. I mean, we could talk about what happened in the second half of Texas A&M. I mean, they just always found ways. And uh, now they're at this point, and, you know, it's a, this is again, it's going to be a real challenge. And I'm going to be really interested to see how they respond, you know, in this game against Michigan because, uh, again, I can't emphasize this enough. I know I've said it uh, several times. Uh, uh, it's not that I'm necessarily concerned, but I, but I'll say this. I, 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 I do believe that Michigan is – is a tough, mentally tough, mm-hmm. physically tough football team. And, and I think that's going to challenge Alabama a little bit in this game. I do, too. I'm with you. And you've already said that, you know, the running game is going to be key uh, for both teams. Uh, when you look at Alabama's offense against that Michigan defense, because that Michigan defense is so good in every statistical area, Rodney, whether it's points allowed, whether it's um, total defense, whether it's the number of defensive touchdowns they've scored. I mean, they've been a dominant defense. Now, I would argue um, – they haven't faced a team like Alabama. I know, I know Ohio State's good on offense, but they haven't faced a quarterback uh, like Milrow who can do things off script the way that he can. How important is it for Alabama? And, and you know, if if Michigan is shutting them down, let's say, in the run game and you're not getting it established for Milrow not to make, uh, you know, not to only make plays with his legs, but to be able to throw the football to loosen up this Michigan defense. 
I think the big thing with Milrose, he's going to have to be decisive. I mean, I, I think he's going to have to be really decisive. Don't be afraid to use your legs. Uh, and I say afraid. That's probably not the way. Don't be reluctant. Uh, you know, take off. I mean, look, it's about winning, man. It's about, uh, you know, you can throw the football. You can stand in the pocket. You can deliver the throws if they're there. But, man, you got some legs. Uh, that can help this team win. I mean, you can turn a game around. You single-handedly did that against LSU when you decided to be that guy. And I think that's really, in this game, now, if he starts doing that in this game, uh, he can't get frustrated because Michigan's going to be mentally tough. They're going to come after him defensively, Gary. And that's the one thing Milrow's got to do. And and we have not seen him really get frustrated. And I think that's a really, really big thing. Because, you know, for a quarterback that's real, relatively inexperienced still, I mean, for him to maintain, you know, uh, you know his patience, he's not really, yeah, he's made some plays that, that maybe he shouldn't have done or, uh, or tried or whatever. But at the same time, he's never gotten frustrated. And I think that's the thing he's going to have to do in this game. Don't get frustrated. Use your legs. And use your legs. Get first downs. Uh, do whatever you have to do. And I think that's that's going to be a real, real key because, again, I, if he starts doing that, Gary, and he starts running up and down the field, I can assure you this, they don't have anybody athletically that can keep up with him. And on the other side, for Alabama's defense against that Michigan offense, I, you know, obviously Corum is a guy that can get downhill. You said he's not the biggest guy, but he's a really hard runner. But McCarthy is kind of the X factor for them as well because I've seen games where I thought, man, he looked like one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and I've seen other games where he didn't get much done. Uh, Alabama's edge rushers, Braswell and, and, and Turner, I, I would think, Rod, that, you know, if they can turn up the heat, that, that could be big for Alabama's defense against that Michigan offense. Yeah, yeah, and they're going to have to they're going to have to keep him bottled up because I'm uh, you know I I remember in the game last year against TCU he was you know he was running up and down the field at times mm-hmm. uh, so he's very athletic I, I don't know if people underestimate that or not but he's he's going to be tough man you got to you got to bottle him up because he's capable he's got a really strong arm too um, so yeah I mean you're going to have to tackle tackle really well uh, tackle him but and Corum like you said. Blake Corum, he's he's hard to get a hold of, man. He's like you said, he bounces off people. He he runs hard. Uh, you know, he's he's tough-minded when he runs. So, uh, yeah, I think those are all going to be real challenges. And you know, they'll they'll sneak in the passing game. You know, you, you got to stay alert. You can't get lulled to sleep because you know they'll 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 throw it on you too. Um, again, that's not their real forte in terms of big plays or anything like that. But um, you know, I, I think if you got to really, like, like you said, they've got to find a way to get some pressure on McCarthy and not let him hurt them with his feet. All right, we'll make our score predictions tonight on Tyler Insider TV. So we'd love for people to join us at six thirty on WVUA twenty three for that. Um, but here we are, you know, this morning talking with you, Ronnie. Just kind of where are you? Are you leaning on this game? I mean, when you you because obviously listening to you talk, you've broken it down and you've kind of gone through um, the matchups here. Um, you know, who are you favoring? Well. Um, you know, I could, I could see it both ways. I, again, I know a lot of people keep saying, "Oh, no, Alabama this," and yeah, I just uh, yeah. And I'm conservative, Gary. You know, I, I try to figure out. I, I, I look, try to look at every angle. Uh, but you know, I mean, if if Alabama can slow down Michigan's run, and if if they can do that and put Michigan in situations where they've got to throw the football consistently, I mean, on a regular basis. 
then I think that puts Alabama in a great advantage. You know, and, and if Alabama can move the football, Milro protects the ball, which he's done really well the last several games. Uh, he does that, gets his legs involved, uh, you know, doesn't try to force the, the thing throwing it. Because, again, I go back to it. Look, if you're in doubt, you're too good of a runner, take off. But if, if they can do those things, then I, I feel really good about, you know, Alabama. And I think this team has a right mindset, you know. I think this team, as much as I said Michigan's mentally tough, I mean, could you be any mentally tougher than what Alabama's no, you kind of exhibited be. this year? <laughs> just, so, just the last couple games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's a real – look, Alabama just beat the best team in the country. I mean, Georgia uh, – and I say the best team, that's probably aside from Alabama, the most talented team. So, so I mean, what they did – and, and, and they beat them. They controlled the game. There, there's no referees. There's no excuses. Like, like, I know Georgia's saying this, and Kirby's talking about they had injuries and all this stuff. Everybody had those. You know, we, we understand that. But I'm just saying, this Alabama is, is a mentally tough football team, too. And so, I, I you know, I, I'll probably go with Alabama. All right, Ronnie, let's uh, talk about recruiting uh, since it's the first time you've been on with me since the national signing period began on, on Wednesday through Friday of last week. And there's another one coming up, of course, in February. Alabama signed 23 uh, high school signees, uh, nine from Alabama, three from California, two from Florida, two from Texas, one from Georgia, one from Missouri, one from North Carolina, one from Pennsylvania, one from Tennessee, and one from Germany and one from Canada. So, you know, they, they spread it around. How many states is that? Have you counted the different states? I, I, don't, I haven't done that. Do what, Ronnie? I said, have you counted the different yeah, states I represented? Yeah, how I many? Wanted, you know, because I still love the fact that they're leading. Alabama's leading the way, but you just see how how they spread the recruiting around. Saban goes to where the the players are. So twenty three. Uh, you know, hope to obviously add Ryan Williams in February, maybe another player or two. Portal is out there as well, but um, I think the class is ranked second behind Georgia. What did you think of the of the twenty twenty four class? Yeah, I mean, I think if you hang on to Ryan Williams, it's it's great. And 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 I I, I, I still go back to what I said too. You know, you, this is the kind of class you want to recruit, and you want to guys that are available in the portal to plug in in places where you need them. And I think so. You know, that's really something that uh, that's important now is to be able to do that. And I think Alabama will. They've already gotten LT Overton. I think that's big. A defensive lineman from Texas A and M who. Was again for your, maybe your listeners that aren't aware, he was going to be the number one player overall in the 23 class out of Alpharetta, Georgia, and he went to Texas A&M, reclassified, and went 2022. Was still a top 10 player, but uh, you know I think he's got a lot of potential. Um, so uh, that that's a big pickup. But no, I think overall, you know, they got some really good receivers. Uh, you hold Ryan Williams; it's one of the top you know receiver classes in the country. Um, you know, I think they got the right kind of players. They got some really good offensive linemen. They they only got three. Nick Saban said they're going to continue to look for more in the portal. He didn't use the word portal, but when he said experienced players, mm-hmm. you know what that meant. Uh, so no, I think it is. I I just you know, defensive line. You got Jeremiah Beeman's a good player. Fega's a good. Pongo's a good player. However he pronounces it. Um, you know, we mentioned Overton. Uh, who's the guy I'm forgetting? There's another defensive lineman in that group that uh, that they got because they got they got four overall. But um, you know, it's a, it's a good group. It's it's a really good group that uh, that they've got coming in, and they got a great secondary group of players. So um, you know, I, I think it's 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 a really top notch class. 
Oh, I don't think there's any any doubt about it. Now you got me wondering who the the defensive lineman is that that, that we it's just off, off the tip of my tongue. I can't even would it you would know. you would you count the the edge rusher from Kansas City? Is that who you're thinking about? No, Jay Sean Ross is a good player though. Uh, you know he's a really good player. I mean, you watch him, man. He is. He comes off that edge and he's pretty violent too. I mean, he's really physical when he gets his hands on somebody. I mean, oh, they go uh, down. The, the the Canadian kid, Steve. Yeah, Mom, Steve M. Yes. I think he's got a chance to be a monster. I really do. I mean, you look at him. I mean, he's just he's just he's just scratching the surface. You know, I, I think he's a really good prospect. He's very athletic. He's probably six three and a half or so. He's two hundred and seventy some something pounds. Two seventy three. Uh, he's got he's got the once they get him here in this program, he's he's gonna he's gonna really get big. I mean, he's gonna be. I like him. Uh, very athletic. So. Uh, it's it's a good class. I think they need more defensive linemen, um, you know, and hopefully they get, like you said, got Overton. Maybe they'll they'll get another guy or two from the portal. Um, all right. Before we close it out on on recruiting, you mentioned Ryan Williamson. He is man. Listen, uh, it's it, he's going to sign in February, and Alabama still has the commitment. But we saw Antonio Coleman from Sarah Land. Flip to Auburn 2025, defensive lineman. Now, that's a long time until next December. But this recruitment of, of Ryan Williams, and for Alabama, um, no one player is bigger than the program. But this is one of those young men that he's a difference maker. And how important is it that Alabama hang on to him? Because we know if he doesn't go to Alabama, he's probably going to Auburn. I'm not going to play it down. I mean, I think it's extremely important. I mean, he's a guy that's been committed to you for a long time. Uh, you know, his dad has a great relationship with T-Rob, Traveris Robinson, Alabama's secondary coach. Uh, so all of those things have worked in Alabama's favor. Uh, and, and I think he's a great, great player. Like you said, he is a difference maker. He's one of those great ones that, that Alabama's gotten through the years. And uh, so, and I, obviously, you know, this is a, uh, Auburn feels like they've got a great chance to, to flip him. I know his dad played there, what, a year or two at Auburn? I can't remember how long it was. But anyway, he transferred out of there. But, um, you know, I know they're trying really hard. They've got a, a good wide receiver group of players that they've got committed. I, I know Cam Coleman's really, really good. And, uh, you know, they hope to get, get Ryan Williams to go with him. But, uh, you know, Gary, too, and, and I don't really know that much about Walker White, the quarterback that Auburn's got committed with the portal that you have. You can always get a quarterback. But, you know, if I'm a wide receiver and I'm looking at it, this Alabama – and I'm not just talking specifically about Ryan Williams, but this Alabama quarterback room. So you're, you're going to probably lose someone at some point, but it's pretty loaded. I mean, it's a, you know, it would open my eyes if I was a wide receiver recruit. I can tell you that. Oh, absolutely. And again, not to play a comparison, but, and Auburn's trying to get there, but just look on Sundays uh, in the National Football League and look at the Alabama wide receivers and look at the Auburn receivers. I'm not sure you can find an Auburn receiver. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just saw Amari Cooper go for two sixty five and, and three touchdowns on Saturday. You know, I saw I saw Waddle before he got hurt. I saw Devontae Smith yesterday. Saw Judy Saturday night. I mean, they're they're everywhere, and that's ultimately you can talk all you want about NIL, but these young men want to get to the league, and if you want to be developed for the NFL. You know, you and I both know the school that is on top, and that's Alabama. Hey, great stuff, Rod. And uh, we'll have Tyler Insider TV tonight. And, of course, I know uh, the book is uh, people pre-ordering it right now, right? 
Yeah, it's a matter of fact, some people should start receiving it today. They started shipping some on Friday and Saturday, so I know that uh, it's first-class shipping, so it's expected to go in. Um, uh, people are expected to – it should arrive today. But, Jerry, RodneyOr.com, that's the best way. It's on Amazon. Uh, I don't know if they've officially put it on Amazon yet. It's supposed to be here in the next few days. But, you know, we'd rather you just go ahead and go to – it's simple. Just go to RodneyOr.com. RodneyOr.com, you'll see it right there. Uh, you know, you can uh, order the book. You can look at the back of the book. tells you what it's about. It's not just about football. It's about life. It's about, you know, hardships, uh, overcoming uh, some tragedies. And, 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 and so all of those things, Gary, I think uh, it'd be really something that uh, I think a lot of people would be interested in reading. Absolutely. RodneyWar.com. Thanks, Rod. Okay, buddy. Take care. All right, 956. Uh, we way over, but that's okay. You know, it's the day after Christmas. Nobody's here but us. Go ahead and take the break. Uh, Justin, we'll come back and wrap up this first hour. We'll go over into the second hour, but we'll make it work. We'll be back after this. Football is back, and no one does it. 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Expect clouds, a little patchy fog early this morning, increasing sunshine during the day. The afternoon high near 58. Tonight, partly cloudy with an overnight low near 36. For your Wednesday, a decent supply of sunshine. The afternoon high near 58 degrees. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 48 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Justin actually got us back in pretty good time. We're not only a minute over, so good job. All right, we're wrapping up. This hour has been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. A second hour is on the way. More of your phone calls. And also Kayla Anderson with the Titans Report at 1030. The Gary Harris Show, hour number two, on the way, right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Under the... WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Dan Byer. Ravens topped the Niners last night by a score of 33-19. to Lamar Jackson, quite the Christmas present for Ravens fans. 252 yards, two touchdowns, and also 45 yards on the ground. Ravens are now 12-3 on the season. Niners with the loss fall to 11-4, but they still are atop the NFC, having the tiebreaker over the Eagles and Lions. Speaking of the Eagles, they survived against the Giants, 33-25. Jalen Hurts, 301 yards passing, a touchdown in the air, and another one on the ground. Some injury news in the NFL. Vikings wide receiver Jordan Addison's considered week-to-week with his ankle sprain. Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel said on Monday that wide receiver Jalen Waddell is dealing with a high ankle sprain. And 24 teams are still alive for the playoffs in the NFL with two games remaining in the season. In the NBA, Luka had 50 for the Mavericks. They topped the Suns 128 to 114. Now, this hour's West Alabama real-time news update from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. Wait, 
but respiratory illness cases in Alabama and Mississippi are at very high levels and expected to increase through the New Year's holiday gatherings. Don't get overly excited, but snow is in the forecast by Friday. It will be mainly flurries and snow showers with no accumulation. Tuscaloosa, northward. If you are ready to take down your live Christmas tree and dispose of it, you can take it to the Curry Environmental Services building in Tuscaloosa beginning today through January the 6th. Just remember to remove all ornaments and lights. Get 24-7 local news coverage and sports updates when you download the free Tuscaloosa Thread app and sign up for twice-daily email newsletters. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Hour number two of the Gary Harris Show right here on Ty 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. This is Tuesday, December 26, 2023. Hope everybody had a very Merry Christmas. We're going to jump right back out on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline here in just a moment. Take some phone calls. First, though, I need to tell you this hour of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you, as always, by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. Paul Patterson is a native of Tuscaloosa and a graduate of the University of Alabama School of Law. He's lived in Tuscaloosa all his life. Mike Comer is uh, from Walker County, Alabama, and graduated from the Alabama School of Law as well. Both these gentlemen live here, practice here. I think that matters. When you need a personal injury attorney, yeah, there's a lot of them available, a lot of TV commercials for 800 law firms uh, that will... You know, they'll they'll do their best to get you a settlement, but I'm not sure they'll see you all the way through. They're about turning it over as quick as possible, and you might not even ever even meet that attorney in person. Paul Patterson and Mike Homer, you'll meet them. And if you do have to go to the courtroom, one of them will be there with you every step of the way. Patterson Comer, attorneys at law. You can contact Paul in Tuscaloosa. Obviously, at 205-345-1000. Mike Comer's in Northport, 205-759-3939. Toll free from anywhere, 866-507-9091. PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. All right, it is uh, time to jump out on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline, and we're going to take these two calls. Uh, We're going to get to Tom, and then Cowboy will get to you. Good morning, Tom. Gary, how are you this morning? Well, thank you. Uh, I hope your holidays were good. And, uh, and, you know, I've been meaning to ask you about your mother. Well, um, we had Christmas at my sister's yesterday, had lunch there, and then my sister, my brother-in-law, their daughters, their husbands, their fam, their their children, all five of their children combined, uh, ages I think from like one through six, all went over to the hospital, and uh, the great nurses there were able to uh, wheel my mother out in a wheelchair into the. They've got a really nice. She's over in uh, Shelby County right now, and they were able to you know wheel her out into the. But they have a great room there with a Christmas tree and plenty of tables and. And uh, my sister took her a plate of food, and we spent the afternoon with her there at the hospital. So it was very uh, great. It was very enjoyable to be able to have everybody together. It's not ideal to be in, you know, be in a hospital, but you know what? Um, it was good. Well, you had her with you, and that's what is big. And uh, and uh, I, I tell you what, the little ones. I, this year we have uh, a three-year-old and a fourteen-month-old. Uh, 
and God knows that they make it fun. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. There's nothing like Man, there's nothing what, like childhood say, innocence and enthusiasm and love. Oh, it's, I love it's, it. Love it, love it. It's the we, best. And, it, and me we, and Mama Jen, we go nuts uh, when there's babies involved. And um, so we, we think that the more presents you get, the more they're going to understand that you love them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is not the case, but we do it anyway because we go crazy. Uh, but, you know, you are talking about the basketball team, and I, I, I want to open up uh, an avenue of thought. Uh, and, 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 you know, you, you have been saying this. How are we going to perform uh, later in the season when we come against the more physical type uh, teams, uh, particularly the ones that are – very skilled and physical on the inside. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm, I do. And uh, and and the thing that bothers people like me and others is that we we know the answer to that question because we saw it in the tournament last year with San Diego State. And uh, and and uh, given now, uh, Bediaco being gone did not help that cause one little bit. And uh, uh, matter of fact, it set us way back. It set us way back in the uh, schedule of the teams that uh, we've lost to, like Ohio State and uh, and the other uh, top top rated teams that we lost to uh, in this preseason schedule. But I, I think they were thinking that Betty Aco was going to be here when they made such an aggressive. Uh, schedule and it would have been different i do believe that had he been and uh but at any rate i think the disappointment is that we hadn't done more uh in the off season to offset the type team that san diego state was if we encountered that again you know what i'm saying yeah well they did think betty Aka was coming back it was a surprise to him and he would he would make a difference and uh i, I think that you know they they tried to address it bringing in wagi um you know, I, I think he's a big body. I, I think the issue, though, is you're, you're right. I mean, uh, you know, we had a call earlier today talking about, you know, they'll, they'll be better equipped, you know, in March. I'm not sure they will be. Listen, Alabama plays the way that they play. They're, they're, they like space. They like shooting threes. They like getting out in transition. That's the way they play. And I'm not saying you can't toughen up to some degree, but uh, I think the issues for this team are going to be the issues for this team. Now, they're going to run some people out of the building now. What I'm telling you, when when, when they get a, a team that can't keep up with them and doesn't have, uh, you know, top-level talent, they can make you look bad. But when they play a Tennessee, when they play a Kentucky, uh, um, you know, when they play in Auburn uh, or if they get later on in, in March and they run into a, uh, a Kansas or they run into Arizona again or they run into Purdue again, are they any better equipped then to, to, to play against those type of teams? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure they are, Tom. I just don't, you know, I just don't know who that, – I just don't think that's who Alabama is. And even last year, you pointed it out, as good as that team was, man, and that team was loaded. When they ran into San Diego State, a less talented team but a big, physical, tough-minded defensive team, they struggled. So I hope I'm well, I, I hope I'm wrong, and I'm not saying that. And I love the way Alabama plays, but I'm just saying the issues for Alabama, to me, uh, are more often than not going to continue to be the issues the entire season. How will they play that's against? What I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying too, right there. And uh, I tell you something: when I look down there on the other end uh, of an opponent, and I see those uh, thick bodies and thick shoulders, barrel chested. I get worried with uh, uh, 
Coach Oates' type team, and uh, and it's proven to be true, and uh, and it is time to worry. But uh, you're right that when you say that we are who we are, and but I would point out too, Ohio State was one of those teams. I thought, well, I don't believe Ohio State can get to where we can get to number wise on offense, and. You know what? They come out there on the floor and say, you know what? You want to go to 100? We'll go with you. And they did it. And I didn't think they could. So there's that. And um, But anyway, Garrett, that's my take on the basketball team. I am worried about them. And uh, I do love them, though. I agree with you. It's entertaining to watch. And I hope some kind of way we can pull it out. But I got my doubts, bro. All right. Thank you, Tom. Right. Thank you, Tom. Good yeah. phone call. All right. Let's get to uh... – Let's get the cowboy out there in Dallas. Hey, cowboy. How's it going, Gary? Well, Bryce got back through. He didn't. Uh, I mentioned to him what I heard you say on Wimp and Barry inside the locker room that you stuck him with the with the tab. He didn't. He didn't like that too much. He said he, that you failed to tell uh, Wimp and Barry that he had to travel. Like I forget how far he said he had to drive to meet you because you weren't very flexible. <laughs> well, he's trying. You know, he's trying. <laughs> He can't get up on me. He, uh, <laughs> he, he, I, I went. I went to a good place, but I'm a member of this uh, dining club they got there. So if he pulled that, I was ready for him. You were ready. <laughs> you got the two for one deal. So that's that's yeah, the way to do it. Go. There you go. Um, um, but uh, hey, did you? Um, I watched that Sunday afternoon for a while. Amari Cooper, I put on Tider Insider, top five receivers all time at Alabama. I'm going to give you my five. All right, Don give it to Hudson, me. Julio Jones, Ozzie Newsom, Amari Cooper, Devontae Smith. That's it's my top Hard five. to argue with that list. I'm going to tell you what's so funny to me is some guy out on Cooper, Tider. Cooper, man, was he not awesome Sunday? God oh, it was unbelievable. Right. It's one of the great games in NFL history. And then and, and you think about he's he's one of how many players? A handful. Lance Allworth, uh, uh, Megatron, maybe T.O. that have had the number of two-yard, 200-yard receiving games he's had. And he's had a 200-yard receiving game for three different teams. How about that? The Raiders, the Cowboys, and the Browns. But getting back oh, to what you were talking about when naming these lists – and I get it, you know, but, you know, I, but I was born in 64 and I still know who Johnny Mac Brown is and Don Hudson is and Harry Gilmer is. And, you know, in other words, I go back before my time, but some guy on a counter and shutter was doing all these lists, top 10 at each position. And I was just like blown away. I wanted to say, listen, Alabama played football before Nick Saban, believe it or not, they really did. And even through, even after Coach Bryant before Saban, through the 80s and the 90s and into the 2000s, there have been some great players here. I mean, you, this guy was rattling off these lists. You would have thought nobody, they never played football around here in 2007. I mean, they were, yeah. they were all, I mean, he had, a, he had a linebacker list, and I couldn't believe the guys that were left of it. I don't even think he had Cornelius Bennett on it. And I'm going to listen, you hear me say this, Cowboy, and I love Derek Thomas. I'm not, you know, Derek Thomas was as good an edge pass rusher as there's ever been at in, in the history of the game, period, his ability to contort his body. But I'm just telling you, and I and people want to bow up on me on this, as a four-year linebacker, as a guy who impacted Alabama football for, from the day he got on campus, Kareem's Bennett's the best there's ever been. 
I, I will argue that yeah. all day. Cornelius Bennett was a grown man. He came in from Inslee High School. He was the best player on that football team when he got there. He was the best player on that football team when he left. He was a three-time first-team All-American. And how anybody can put out a linebacker list and and not have Cornelius Bennett on it or or not, in my opinion, and, and listen, Woodrow, you know, I, we know what we're talking about, Woodrow Lowe, Leroy Jordan, like Coach Bryant said, if they stay between the lines, Leroy, get them. But I'm just telling you, I was, I watched Cornelius Bennett. He was a special football player, Cowboy. And one reason he does not get the recognition that he deserves is because he played on five Super Bowl losing teams, four with the Bills and one with the Falcons. If they win one of those Super Bowls, he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, he was yeah. a dominant player. And nothing against DT. Hey, were you at DT, that game at Grant Field? Were you at that game in eighty? No, but I watched Grant it on Field. WTBS. I was and there. Defensively, he made every play. Every play. And you know what? They put him on the inside. They put him on the outside. They put him on special teams. You remember him blocking that punt at uh, mm-hmm. at LSU? Or either Emmanuel King, one of the – I think one of them blocked it and one of them scored off of it. But but I just – I'm amazed at more people don't understand how dominant Cornelius Bennett was. I mean, I was up there in Knoxville in 86, and they ran that reversed Anthony Miller, who was, what, a 9-300-meter guy or some incredibly speed. Cornelius Bennett ran him, ran him behind, from down from behind and then just pointed at the Tennessee sideline with Johnny Majors and those guys. Oh, yeah. But anyway, Man, he made some plays. Getting off he, on it, you know, he could have been a he could have been a tight end fullback. Oh, Maybe absolutely. He he would have been he would if they'd have put him at tight end or fullback, he'd have been all he'd have been all American there. Man, he was just incredible football player, and not that but a lot of people don't recognize that. But the number of people that just automatically in the modern generation will put DT on top of any linebacker list that Alabama has, and I wouldn't. I put I put Cornelius mm-hmm. Bennett there because I'm talking about when I'm talking Cornelius. about complete football player. Inside, outside. Uh, now, nobody rushed, rushed the passer like Derek Thomas. I get that. But, you know, even in the NFL, you know, Derek Thomas was – he was so great at what he did. But, you know, they – you remember a couple times during the latter part of his career, uh, Schottenheimer pulled him because he was yeah. a he was a liability in pass coverage. And, you know, there was, there was just some times when, you know, he didn't – he didn't fit into what Kansas City was wanting to do schematically on defense. There was never a time Cornelius Bennett didn't fit into what the Buffalo Bills were doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, you know, Gary, you know, Gary, this is a point a lot of people hadn't brought up, but I'm going to bring it up right here. The Alabama football record book did not have great numbers, had great players now, but did not have great statistical numbers before Nick Saban became Alabama's head football Oh, you're coach. absolutely Nick right. Nick Saban players have rewritten the Alabama record books to extraordinary measures that never was there before Nick Saban got it. Oh, there's no doubt about it. No, listen, what he's done is phenomenal, and I never want to take away from what People he's done. People need to realize what Nick Saban's done. And I think done, they, but I also don't want to take away from what was what was accomplished here before Nick Saban. And, oh, you know, yeah, the 70s yeah. were a different time. I mean, you ran the wishbone. I mean, Ozzie Newsome uh, in one of these offenses today in college football. Woo! You talk about a matchup problem. You know, you could put him uh, in line tight end. You could put him in a slot. You could put him out wide. You could put him, you know, uh, uh, in the backfield. I mean, there's no telling what he would do. And and people, of course, people don't want to hear this because it's so far away. But Don, the numbers that Don Hudson put up for his era, 
There's no, you're never going to see anything like it. He was so, Don Hudson's numbers in the National Football League were so far ahead everybody else. Let me give you an example of what it'd be like. Let's say you've got a running back today because, you know, 17 games, that ran for 3,000 yards. Not 2,000, not 1,000, not 15, but 3,000. Let's say you had a running back in the NFL today that ran for over 3,000 yards. That's how far out of whack that Don Hudson was with the players in his generation. He was catching, he was going for thousands of yards in receptions when, when you know, 200-yard receiving games when an entire team might not have 50 yards receiving. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You know, um, I love Don Hudson with his cowboy hat, too. That's that's one reason why he's on my top five. <laughs> now, are you talking about Don Hudson or you talking about Harry Gilmer? Oh, Harry Gilmer. Yeah, you're thinking right. Harry the Hat Gilmer. Yeah, Harry. The but Harry. he was a great yeah, player, Harry a great Harry. player. Ooh, this is a great player. Harry Gilmer, Don Hudson, Johnny Mac Brown, yeah. uh, um, uh, Dennis Holman. He was a heck of a wide receiver in the in the sixties. Ray Perkins, you know, I mean, it, it's unbelievable. But you know what I really noticed lately about Coach Saban is how he talks about the Alabama tradition more so now than he ever did his first four or five years there, you know, he's yeah, really he's embraced, embraced it. He's embraced it. Well, he's such a big part of it now. I, I think when oh, he yeah. first got here, he didn't fight against it. But at the same time, I think he wanted to make a statement. Hey, we can't live on the past around here. We can't worry. Right. We got to look at where we're at. Because when he got here, it was a mediocre football program by any analytic or any measure that you used. And I think he got tired of hearing about the past. I think he was, you know, right. he even said it. He, he he even said one time at a press conference, you know, he said, we got a habit around here that, um, you know, we get to thinking uh, we're good. You know, we, we, we want to talk about how good we are rather than doing what we need to do to really, really get good. So, but now that he's yep. established it, I think now you're right. He embraces it. He's part of the tradition. Uh, so obviously, duh. But he's part of one of the greatest coaching um trees in the history of of the sport when you go back to wallace wade and with the rose bowl being you know this year it's even more prominent what wallace wallace wade did but wallace wade frank thomas coach bryant and i'll put gene stallings in there too because he won a national championship. oh yeah and and and, and then you know uh nick saban it's 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 one of a kind dude i mean it is you know there's some others that can that can challenge it whether it be notre dame or in terms of their coaching tree and legendary names that they've had there but there aren't many man maybe usc a few others but with the list of coaches that have, when you've got bryant and you've got saving at the same school <laughs> my oh, goodness hey gary you can you can you know we kind of battled about the mill road thing before the year started and i've made my apologies i, I yeah. apologize for me not believing in him but I'm telling you right now, I'm worried about this Michigan football game. I'm worried. I'm worried. Well, you should we, be. We got too many people. We got too many people trying to mail this thing in as a win. Yeah, but I'll tell you this: Nick Saban's not one of them. I, I guarantee you, oh, this team that. understands, and that's what I was talking about, Rodney. About you know, if you were a Michigan fan, you could you could easily, and that's what they're doing. They're right. Make their, it's our time. You could be saying, "Oh, it's our time. We've built toward this. You know, this is our third straight year in the CFP semifinal." We beat Ohio yeah. State for three straight, straight years now. We are, we are, we've knocked on the door, and it's time to kick the door in. And what better way to kick it in than by beating Alabama? 
you know, the team that's oh, dominated yeah. college football for the last 15 years. So, no, I'm with you 100%. This team is so solid, so good, so experienced, so well coached. Uh, there won't be any there won't be any gimmies here. Alabama will have to earn this win. But having said that, I still think that top to bottom, Alabama's a more talented football team than Michigan. I agree with that. I, I just, it's, it's, you know, sometimes the team, it's just their time, and I, I just hope it's not this year because, uh, I don't know. Well, you could argue that it is. Like I said, you could certainly argue that it is. I mean, I know that's what they believe. I know their fan base is is Hey, hey, Gary, tell Tom to to hang in there on Alabama basketball. Like I tell Bryce, call me when they win a Sweet 16 game, then I'll get excited. But I agree with some of Tom's analogies. Uh, they, They can't play a muscle game. Well, I unfortunately kind of agree with it a little bit too. So that's what I've been saying. And I hope that, you know, I, I worry that the problems they have now are going to be the same problems they're going to have when they play, you know, Kentucky and Tennessee and, you know, some of these teams that have those big bodies inside. So, you know, we will see. Yeah. All right, Cowboy. Good to talk with you. Hope you had a Merry Christmas. Glad to hear about your mom. Thank that's, you. That's great. You've got to spend time with me. Yeah, I thank you I so much. Mind, All right, Cowboy, appreciate you. All right, uh, before we go to the break, let's talk about the YMCA of Tuscaloosa now. I've been talking about it for a long time. All through the fall, I was like, get in there now. Get in there during football season. But even I, with all that's been going on with you know my mother and and and, and work, I took, a, I took a hiatus from working out. I haven't worked out now in probably um, – Oh gosh, close to a month. You know, uh, most of most of December, I've just taken the mo- the month off. But I'm going to be getting back in there. And and if you didn't work out during the fall, that's okay because the new year is right around the corner. And now is a time to commit yourself and dedicate yourself to physical fitness and health and well being. And the YMCA is the place to go. Uh, brand new cardio equipment, state of the art individual TV screens, on demand fitness programming, streaming and Bluetooth capability. Uh, you cannot uh, find a better facility in town. Uh, great community of people. I love the YMCA. Conveniently located at 2300 13th Street. Get by and see them and uh, get ready for the new year at the YMCA. Jeff Knox, the CEO and his staff, they do it right. Personal training uh, with great personal trainers that are certified will will help you every step of the way. Fitness classes, everything you need is at the YMCA of Tuscaloosa. Call them at 205-345-9622 or find out more at ymcatuscaloosa.org. And we'll be back with uh, more of the Gary Harris show. We're going to get back on time. And then in just a little bit, we got Kayla Anderson with the Titans report. Keep it dialed in right here to tie 100.9 FM at 1230 AM WTBC. As much as industry has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. Get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch soup, salad, or sandwich combo. I'll see you at the free. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. Tune in to Tom. Tarasco's has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos. 
Tacos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Expect clouds, a little patchy fog early this morning, increasing sunshine during the day. The afternoon high near 58. Tonight, partly cloudy with an overnight low near 36. And for your Wednesday, a decent supply of sunshine. The afternoon high near 58 degrees. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 48 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Follow the Crimson Tide on their journey to another national championship. Touchdown, Alabama! On your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 1028. Uh, wind up having a fun show this morning. As you can tell, when I first went on the air, Justin, I wasn't, I wasn't really thrilled about being in here this morning, but it's been a fun show. Hey, listen, this is what we call rejoin in the radio business. We're going to rejoin, and then uh, we got to get right back out to the break because I got to get us back on time because I love taking the phone calls, and I went way over with uh, Tom and, and with uh, Cowboy, but that's okay because uh, we'll get back here and get back on time, and we'll come back on the other side of this break, and we'll talk Tennessee Titans. What a what a forgettable season. Everything, that it's been a Murphy's Law season for Tennessee, man. They're in that, that week, AFC South. I'm just telling you, I'm looking at just the overtime games they've, they've lost. And then um, listen to this. Just in the last four weeks, they lost 31-28 in overtime to the Colts. They lost 19-16 to to Houston in overtime. And they lost in the final minute to Seattle 20-17. to Somehow they beat the Dolphins, which I still hadn't figured that one out. But just as those three games alone, if you just win, if you just win those three games, you're on a four-game winning streak. And all of a sudden, you're still in the hunt for the playoffs. But, you know, it is what it is. All right, we'll be back with Kayla Anderson talking Tennessee Titans next right here on the Gary Harris Show. Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. 28 minutes in front of the hour of 11 o'clock. And it's time for the Tennessee Titans report with our outstanding Titans reporter, Kayla Anderson, Emmy Award-winning TV anchor, now doing the radio side of things there in Nashville. And uh, good morning, Kayla. Did you have a good Christmas? I did, Gary. Hope you guys did, too. You're actually going to laugh at this. I am actually in uh, Montgomery right now because uh, my husband's side of the family is from Opelika. So, we're visiting uh, a big Alabama best friend of his right now. Outstanding. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I, and I actually knew that. I knew that you had worked in Montgomery and that your husband was down from that area somewhere. So uh, super. Well, you probably need a break from Nashville because the Titans uh, tortured <laughs> us one more time. You know, I said before the break when I was talking with Justin and just the whole season, it's been a Murphy's Law season, but forget the whole season. Just look at the last four weeks. You know, they somehow beat the Dolphins, but they lost to the Colts in overtime. The mm-hmm. Texans in overtime, and Seattle in the final minute. You just win those three games, and you know what? You're eight and seven. 
<laughs> you're right. You're there. right. You know, right where you know a chance to win this division. Plus, if you beat the Colts and the Texans, they're not eight and seven. You know, they're seven and eight. So it'd be yep. just you and the Jags setting up for you know the final final Sunday. But it but it has not gone the Texas uh, the Titans way, and we saw it again Sunday. I mean, they played well enough to win in that game, but they just can't finish. It's been the same theme all season long, and they lose to Seattle twenty to seventeen at home. Yeah, and that's what makes it so frustrating. Seven one-score games they have lost this year. And you're right. I mean, if you flip that and at least get uh, four wins out of that, and you're seeing what's happening with the rest of the AFC South right now, including Jacksonville, who's not playing great. I mean, they would have a chance to be in it and and have a chance to be in the playoffs. But, you know, woulda, shoulda, coulda. That's kind of how these fans are looking at it right now. And when it comes down to it, Gary, they're losing games in the same fashion. Yeah, and over this and over. one came, yeah, they, this one came down to not being able to make um, a, a good enough defensive stand in the end. And then even when the offensive, uh, the offensive side of the ball had a chance to come back and at least tie it, possibly win it, they don't have the talent. It, that, and when it comes down to it, they don't have the better rosters compared to these other teams. The personnel's not there. And I think that's the biggest reason why you're seeing them not be able to win these one-score games. I, I really don't think it's necessarily coaching. Now, the coaching could be better at times in certain situations, but I really do think it comes down to they don't have that one or two player uh, that can make the difference in the end, whether it be stopping the ball or you know being able to create uh, a successful drive. And look, Ryan Tannehill, let's just all be on the same page with this. He cannot hold the ball and take a tack like that. Yeah, he just can't. And, you know, and you know, I, were, I texted you about it because, listen, I'm not standing back there. I get it when these defensive linemen are bearing down on you. But as long as he's been in the league in that situation – you just got to you got to throw it out. You got to get rid of it. You just you just we say that, but it's true. Uh, you can't take a sack there, you know, and that's something that has plagued him throughout his career is in these big moments. Yeah. Um he has had some times when he just hasn't come through and that was another one on on Sunday and granted it would have been an outside shot at best, but if they win that game, technically they're still alive for the playoffs with Houston and Jacksonville coming up and and uh you know, he just didn't he just didn't didn't make the play. And it and it really undid a lot of what the Titans did that was good in that game. They really kind of controlled that game, I thought. I really thought they played the game that they wanted to win to give themselves an opportunity to win. But as you said, Kayla, once again, when it came time to win the game, they just they just I've never seen a team quite like this. I mean, it's just Mm-mm. I mean, they just can't finish. Yeah, and they were doing this with a lot of these starters on either um, injured reserve to end the season or that are just banged up and didn't play. I mean, we're talking about major starters in the secondary. Um, Jeffrey Simmons continuing uh, to obviously not be up there up front. He's he's on IR to, to end the season. And then, you know, with the quarterback situation, Will Levis not in there. And I get it that Ryan Tannehill is a viable backup, but this guy hasn't played in several weeks. And while he looked healthy, because you could see – the athleticism at times when Ryan Tannehill takes off, like mm-hmm. the guy can still can run like he, he's still an athlete, but it's like he gets uh, freaked out in situations when it comes down to things being on the line. It's like he freezes under pressure mm-hmm. and you just can't, you can't, I guess, teach those things. And he's never been able to shake that. And you're right, Gary, that's the main reason why he's 
he's had some trouble here it, because those big game situations, he just can't figure it out. And it's disappointing because all these other players that are getting opportunities now with two games to go, three games to go, they stepped up. I mean, they really did. We had some guys on the offensive line that never even heard of before who played an okay game on defensive line. And it's just, it's very frustrating when you walk into that locker room afterwards and have to ask again, why aren't you able to pull out these one score games? I mean, it's like the look on their face is just dumbfounded. Yeah, it is. Derrick Henry uh, did what Derrick Henry does uh, after the worst game of his NFL career. He bounced back with a fine performance. 88 yards rushing a touchdown and threw another touchdown. In fact, there were a lot of tweets were going out, I guess, <laughs> in his career. He's the highest rated passer in the history yeah. of, the, of the NFL. But, uh, you know, and, and listen, I know he's got one more opportunity um, in the final Sunday to play in front of the, the home um, fans. But there, you could hear, even I watching the game some on television, you could even hear the appreciation from the fan base there they understand that you know more than likely uh derrick henry's time with the, the titans is going to come to an end yeah i and it it stinks gary like it really does and i think it's so rare that players get to retire with the team they started with and i think we all understand and accept that in today's nfl especially but i think this is so difficult because he has been such a force for this team. I mean, he's carried this team for several years. I mean, he's a reason why they were able to have success uh, under Mike Rabel year after year and get to the playoffs. A lot of it comes from what Derrick Henry did for this team and, you know, what he's done for the community. And I think that's really hard for anybody to, whether you cover him or you're a fan of him, to realize that this might be, the last two games you see him in a Titans uniform. And you're right. I mean, it's like when they get down into the red zone, he's been able to to really uh, be successful for them, especially the second half of the season. And everyone's chanting, you know, Derek, Derek, because they know, like, give it to him. He's going to get in the end zone, which he did again. And then he threw for a touchdown. But, yeah, I think it's it's realization now that this is probably going to happen, where he's probably not going to be here next season. Um, and I'm glad that they're utilizing him. As much as it's frustrating sometimes and it doesn't work every game, I'm glad they're giving him the opportunity to, to still be Derek. And I knew he'd bounce back. I, I said that on Twitter. I said Derek's going to have a good bounce-back game because that's what Derek Henry does. And um, he's had to go through a lot of adversity adversity this year with that line but he's made the most of it as, as in what he can make right um out of it so i think just to end on a solid note here would be really cool for derrick henry uh and i think the titans would want to see that too all right the titans are out of it but they can have a big say so in who wins it you got you got three eight and seven teams and i think i'm right in Ooh. saying this um uh, Okay, I think all three of those lost on Sunday. The Colts, the the, the Jags, and the yeah, and the uh, Texans. So they get the Texans this week, and the and the Jags in the in the final weekend. So um, when you look at this division, somebody's got to win it. Much like the NFC South, uh, who do you like with two weeks to go? Uh, the Jags, the Colts, or the Texans? Can I say nobody? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is rough, Gary, and I, I think at the beginning of the season. You thought, okay, the Jags are going to maybe run away with mm-hmm. this division. And then we Well, the just same thing's happening to them that happened to the Titans last year. They're collapsing late. I know. They're collapsing late. Trevor Lawrence is just, I don't think he's healthy at all. Um, you know, he's had the concussion. He's had the injuries. 
Um, and, he, and I'll give him credit. He's a tough guy. He wants to play through that. But, you know, you can only do so much. And I think with Houston, they've also kind of dealt with the injuries down the stretch. And C.J. Stroud in concussion protocol for two weeks. I mean, that's never a good thing. I think Jacksonville seems to be the team that will be able to hold it together. But Trevor's going to have to be playing a lot better. And they're going to have to figure things out here down the stretch if they're going to win the division. Um, I think they have a little bit of the upper hand. And as for the Colts, the only reason why I don't say the Colts is they just, they've got a backup quarterback still. I like Gardner Minshew. I think he's a good backup quarterback, but at some point, you know, that's not going to win you a division probably. Right. Um, So I think I'm still going to go with Jacksonville uh, just because the talent on both sides of the ball is probably more so there. When you look around the AFC, uh, for all intent and purposes, this Ravens game against the Dolphins on Sunday is going to side home field advantage throughout the playoffs because, you know, nobody else is close. And yeah. um, the Ravens last night, boy, what a statement went for them out in, in um, San Francisco. But the Dolphins are a team. Now, how they lost to the Titans, I don't know, but they did. But <laughs> the Dolphins are a team, I think that people still, even though they beat the Cowboys at home, um, going into Baltimore – you know, this, this, this for two and company, this could be the game. Uh, and granted, mm-hmm. you post it, but this could be a game. If they win this game, then you'd have to put some respect on the name of the Miami Dolphins. What a huge football yeah. game uh, coming up Sunday. I love it. I mean, I'm so excited for this. I was excited for the game last night and, and the Ravens going in and doing what they did uh, on the road. I thought that was incredible. And I think this is a chance for Mike McDaniels and, and his staff to really uh, put together something special in terms of the game plan against a great Ravens team. I mean, I cannot take anything away from what they've done. Lamar Jackson has grown up before our eyes. I mean, I've really been impressed with with how he's been able to kind of bounce back from some, some tough times, right? Some, you know, didn't even know if he was going to play for the Ravens this season. And they're doing some really good things over there and they're they're staying somewhat healthy which is is helping them out but i think i think the dolphins can get this one i really do i think uh is such a smart coach and tua and company i think with tyreek you know looks like he's back healthy i know jalen wild maybe a little bit banged up but i really think if they could put together a a good game plan um they could take care of the ravens uh this is going to be a team that down the stretch in terms of Miami, I think you do not want to play them right now. And I know the Ravens are rolling too. So it's like a, a head-to-head clash, which I'm super excited to watch. Yeah, in, indeed. Well, let me ask what's happened to the Chiefs. I, you know, watching some Ooh. of that game and you're thinking, you know, as good as Mahomes is, it catches up with you. You just can't keep losing playmakers. But the I, I'm just stunned. O'Connell went 9 of 21 for 62 yards, and the Raiders won that football game at Kansas City. What is that, right? I mean, at Kansas City, I could see maybe, maybe if they're in Vegas. Okay, I understand the upset a little more. They're in Kansas City. I mean, this place has been hard to play in for years. I mean, teams dread going up there. So with me saying that, Gary, too, maybe that's the thing now. You know, just like how... Some of these golfers didn't fear Tiger Woods, you know, towards the end of his, you know, big, huge part of his career. They're starting to feel Kansas City is beatable. Right. I really do feel like that's part of it. They can go into their house and they're not intimidated anymore by Patrick Mahomes and company. And I think part of that is because Patrick Mahomes has kind of lost that confidence in, you know, what 
they have going right now because let's be honest too his his guys around him his receivers they have not helped him out at all this year and Travis Kelsey can only be Travis Kelsey for so long where he's carrying the load so I think there's a little lack of confidence there you wonder with the enemy leaving last uh, last year and obviously now with Washington if that's part of this offense buttering just a bit because their defense had been good this year Mm -hmm. for the most part so that's a head scratcher to me I was shocked that the Raiders, like you said, with what they have right now, were able to go to Kansas City and get that win. It was shocking to me. In the NFC, you've got four really good teams, I think, with the Niners, the Lions, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. And, um, of course, it's week to week with all the analysis shows that you know we're doing it right now. You 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 know you lose one game and people all of a sudden oh they're not any good. But um, when you look at the NFC, do you still do you rank the 49ers at the top even with what happened last uh, night, or do you, you know the Eagles you know hung on against the Giants? Um, Lions are eleven and four. Cowboys are ten and five. Who do you like in the NFC as the best team? It, it's hard sometimes, like to figure out teams. Now, because that feel like there's more parity, right? And you think at some point, if some of these teams string together wins, you're like, okay, like they're going to be a team that's getting it together at this time. And then you see them lose to a really good Ravens team, but it's a Niners team who I thought was better on paper. Um, And they weren't able to, to get it done. And Brock Purdy struggled, obviously, but I think they're still overall the better team on both sides of the ball. I think Purdy is going to have those games sometimes, um, especially if you come in uh, with Harbaugh and have a game plan like that. So I think Niners are still the team to beat. Something's wrong in Philadelphia, Gary. Something's not right there. Like, I don't know what it is with this Jalen Hurts and the offense. I don't know if Jalen's hurt. I don't know what's going on there, but this team seems to be a little out of whack. And I think there's some, Maybe a little drama going on behind the scenes, but it doesn't seem like the Philly team that we saw last year that was all on the same page. So that's what worries me about Philly. Um, I, I can't quite put my finger on what's going on there. This postseason is going to be unbelievable, and obviously I didn't mention the Bucks because they're eight and seven. But I know, but they're playing really, really well right now, and and Baker Mayfield has uh, has you know kind of found a second life with Tampa Bay. It's going to be crazy in the postseason. I mean, it really is going to be nuts. Hey, awesome stuff as always. Kayla, what uh, what and where can, uh, you know, how and, you know, can people find you? Yeah, you can check me out on um, X slash Twitter. It is at Kayla Anderson TV. And then, of course, if you want to check out the podcast, Ramon, Kayla, and Will, you can uh, check that out, a four-hour show every morning here in Nashville. You can check that out on wherever you get your podcast. And real quickly, since you are in the state of Alabama, and I won't talk to you again until after the game, who do you yeah. like in the college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl with Alabama well, and Michigan? I'm going to go with Alabama. You know this, Gary. <laughs> like, first of all, I cannot stand Jim Harbaugh. Like, I cannot stand that man in his khaki pants. Uh, I just, I, I think Alabama, and I'll stand on this, um, I think Alabama is such a different team from when we first saw them this season, like when they played Texas and everybody wants to go back to that game, but Texas beat them at Alabama. I said, this is such a different team. This is a heck of a coaching job done by Nick Saban this year uh, with really continuing to grow this team and the quarterback. And I just think Michigan hasn't seen a team like this. And this is going to be coaching at its best. Uh, I just think Saban's going to have a great game plan 
and he's going to outsmart Jim Harbaugh in this one. I'm taking Alabama. I hear you. And who do you like in uh, the Sugar Bowl with uh, Texas and uh, Washington? I'm going Washington. Uh, That's and, right. And That's, to, even though you're a Washington yeah, State girl. I'm you still a Washington gotta, State yeah. fan. I am. And you know why, Gary? They were my preseason pick. We picked oh, wow. the four teams on uh, on our morning show, and they were one of my teams. I got three out of the four right. Wow. Because uh, Georgia strong. was my other team. Yeah. And so I love what Kalen DeBoer is doing up there. It is incredible. I actually wish that, you know, we didn't have them go to the Big Ten because I think some of these teams are just really starting to come together that were the Pac-12. He's done a heck of a coaching job. Um, I think he's going to have his team ready. Texas, like Gary, convince me that you're back because I still don't feel like they're back. Steve Sarkeesian going up against this former team. I still don't have exactly the feeling that they're back back. And so I'm going to pick Washington. It's probably going to be a close one, but I still like Washington just a little better. I'm just sick the Pac-12 is going away. I'm just, me too. just sick. Me too, Gary. Great stuff, Kayla. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great uh, rest of the week. You too. 1050 here on the Gary Harris Show, and we're going to take our uh, our final time out. We come back. we got some time for phone calls on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline. Hot and fresh. Get them at Krispy Kreme. We'll be back after this. Houston Hydro Steam Carpet and Upholstery Cleaning. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Expect clouds, a little patchy fog early this morning, increasing sunshine during the day. The afternoon high near 58. Tonight, partly cloudy with an overnight low near 36. And for your Wednesday, a decent supply of sunshine. The afternoon high near 58 degrees. I'm meteorologist Bill Murray on Tide 100.9. It's 48 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 10.54, and uh, we're winding it down, getting you ready for the Miller's Edge coming up at 11 a.m. And Justin told me something during the break that and we just got through with the Titans report, and Justin took his little brother up there to Nashville for the game and uh, witnessed it uh, firsthand. Yeah, it was fun. That was my first time up there, my second time in Nashville in general. And um, we we stayed up there. Don't you only your second time in Nashville? Yeah, only my second. What a time. city, huh? The, I love the the bridge, the way it transitions. Yeah, oh, you just walk gorgeous. across. Gorgeous. You drive right in, and there's the stadium. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I I have to say bad, we ended up having to pay fifty dollars to park. That yeah. was uh, that's that's a that's a major issue for most NFL stadiums, and uh, you know it's not just Nashville. Um, a lot of the problem, that's what, as, a diff, as opposed to colleges when you're on campuses, you look at a lot of these NFL stadiums and, you know, they're built in this, and there's just, there's, I guess, the, the parking right around the stadium that's either paid for or already, and then after that, yeah, there's, you're on your own. I mean, I wasn't happy with was it. Was there but not I, any city parking that was cheaper? Like, it was actually, yeah, we used public city parking. And that was 50 bucks? And it was recommended um, by, like, the Titans. They emailed me. They're like, these are the recommended. And we chose the furthest one away. Holy um, cow. How much? Have, they're making a killing. Yeah. I mean, I can understand it because it's yeah, like. Yeah, but not 50 bucks. Downtown, I guess. Okay. But you Either said y'all stayed the night? We stayed, so we actually drove back right after. Oh, right, so right, right, right after. So you went up, you stayed the night before, or you went up the day Yeah, stayed, stayed the night, Saturday night, and then uh, and then drove back. I hear, I hear my open. Um, 
Where is that coming from? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, it's on my phone. <laughs> okay. It's me. And <laughs> now it won't shut up. I'm uh I was pulling it up to save it and send it to Rodney. And now I can't get it to stop playing. My oh, Lord. Stop. <laughs> I, yeah, I was going to go ahead and, and, and copy it and shoot it to Rodney so he can get it on TinerInsider.com. And I thought it was coming in my ear, and it was sitting here on the phone, and then I couldn't get it to stop. Wow. All right, first day back from Christmas. Hey, at least we're here. I'll tell you this. I don't know, and Noah maybe can find out the stats because Noah's our stat guy. I, I think most sports talk stations are not doing live sports talk today. I think most of them are taking taking the day off. Let's, I was all for that. But I had a good time this morning. Hey, this hour has been brought to you by Patterson Comer, Attorneys at Law. And uh, we appreciate Paul Patterson and Mike Comer. All right, that's going to do it for the program. I will be on local TV tonight with your sports at uh, WVO 23. Plus, with Rodney Orr on Tider Insider TV tonight at 630. We'll make our Rose Bowl predictions then. And back here tomorrow for the Wednesday edition of the Gary Harris Show. For Justin Jones, I'm Gary Harris. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day, and we'll be back tomorrow morning. Thank you for listening to The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From our home.